Kings 58. And it, it's, we're in verse 12. I think it's where I marked where we finished up. 12, 13, and 14. Real, real quick on it. And uh, we're going to talk about honoring the Sabbath in the last two verses. And it's amazing how we've kind of people have kind of gotten away from that. Kim, you'll be happy I found my calendar. It'll be gone by Sunday, but I have it at the moment. So I'm halfway there. All right. uh, in verse 12, he, he's finishing up part of what his psalm says, and the Lord shall, excuse me, I'm 11, and they that shall be of thee shall build old, build up the old waste places, and thou shalt rise up the foundations of many generations, and thou shalt be called the repair, the breach, restore, or pass to dwell in. We started on this one, and we were talking about being the repair, the breach, restoring the streets that you dwell in. And it, it's if you look at what he's saying, he says those who serve, basically he's talking about those who serve uh, with sincere hearts also accomplish things for God. And that's kind of the, the picture of what's going on. And if you think in today's time, uh, you'll see a lot of people start stuff. And then they don't finish it. But here he's saying, you know, those with a sincere heart and action, they, they, they don't just start, they accomplish things. There's a big difference in starting something and accomplishing something. And in today's society, uh, there's a lot of, uh, for better lack of it, pop-up ministries that happen. A lot of pop-up churches you know, we live in an age today that churches are like, it's amazing. There's a lot of churches, not a lot of attendance, but there's a lot of churches, and they'll start up in a, a storefront, they'll be here for a little while, and then they'll be gone. And, and so the, do you think those are the kind of people who are serving with a true heart? You know, when people are serious about the Lord, uh, what's the difference in someone that's serious about the Lord and somebody who's just going for show? Show. Yeah, that's a good reason. A good way to look at it. And I think that's what a lot of it is, is you've got the, these pop-up, you know, the, and, and in today's society, it's anti-church is where these things are popping up. Uh, where they'll, they'll say, well, we don't, we're not a church. That's what I've got. I've talked to a couple of people like this. We're not a church. Oh, so what is the definition of a church? <coughs> what would be a good definition of a church? A gathering of people. There you go. A gathering of people who's come to worship, right? An organized group of people. But they'll, they'll, they'll and say, oh, no, 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 no. We're not a church. We're, we're just... And, and anything that we do, they'll, they'll go out of their ways. They'll, they'll say, we're not going to do this. We're not going to do that. We're not going to do anything that church has done. And you'll see them here today, and they'll be gone tomorrow. It, it's kind of like they're, they're that. And so God's talking here. He said, those who, uh, whose heart's right, they accomplish things. So you have to look a lot of times at, at some of these pop-ups. What are they trying to accomplish? What's the number one thing people do when they open a church? What's the one thing they want? What's one thing we love to have? People. People. Yeah. And it's all focused on that. But if you're not accomplishing God's will, before long, the people are what? They're going to leave from this one, and they're going to come over here. And so you, you see that happening. And what he said, he's telling us here. He, listen to what he says. He says, they, 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 they shall build up the old waste places. They shall raise up the foundations, many generations. They shall be called the repairer, the breach, the restorer of past to dwell in. So he said that those who accomplish these things are doing what God wants them to do. And they'll restore. And, and I, I believe you know that that's a, a promise we have to cling to because as the, when we stick with the gospel and we stick with the truth, there'll be times that we'll go like on a wave, we'll be down here, but we don't ever stay there forever. I mean, think about this. As churches go, we've had our ups, we've had our downs. Uh, it's great when we're having our ups, but God still keeps hanging on and things still keep happening. 
you know uh, when someone's doing what God wants to do because of the fruits that are coming off of it. So we, we see this as kind of what he's talking here. So as he goes from talking about the things that they do, if you remember before he was talking about how they were fasting, we talked about how they fasted, they weren't doing things correctly. But so he's gone from, from that picture to those who are being obedient. And now he's going to get to a different part in verses 13 and 14. He says, if thou turn away thy foot from the Sabbath and doing thy pleasures on the holy day and call the Sabbath a delight and the holy of the Lord honorable and shalt honor him, not doing thine own ways, nor finding thy own pleasures, nor speaking thy own words, then shall thou delight thyself in the Lord. I will cause thee to ride upon the high places on the earth and feed thee with the heritage of thy, of Jacob, thy father, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. So he, he's gone. He's telling to tell him now, you've done all these things. If we look back what we talked about, you've done all these things and you did them for what reason? You did them to make yourself look good. Remember we talked about fasting. They would fast, but they weren't doing it for the right reason. They would worship, but they weren't doing it for the right reason. So God said, now, if you would truly look at what the Sabbath was and, and the worship you're supposed to do, I will restore you. So isn't that an awesome promise? God lets us know we're going to make mistakes. But if you do what he wants you to do, he'll do it. He'll do it. It, it, it's, it. Here, this picture fits in perfect with the finished work of Christ and what he did on the cross for us. If we keep the Sabbath, we set aside a day to honor him and, and not doing what we want to do, he blesses us. I mean, how many of y'all uh, had a period you know, like when you, you got out of, when you, when you missed church some? And it really bothers you. And, you know, when you get to come back, hey, don't it feel great? You're like, Lord, I'm back. Thank you. And so that's kind of what he's saying. You, when, you, when you start coming back. Now, there's been times that when I got out, I got out not because, you know, okay, this past year, if we looked at this time last year, we were out. But what was the reason why? Yeah, yeah, the, you know, didn't want to get sick, so so we we did that. Now, how many of you've ever had that time where it was that it wasn't a reason like that? It was you. We all do that. You know how easy it is to get out of church. You miss that first Sunday, the second one, but after you miss two in a row, boy, it's really easy, and you can come up with every kind of excuse not to be there. And he said, now, God said, now, if you will turn around and you'll look at what you're supposed to do, and you're supposed to come and worship me, you're supposed to come and, 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 and get close to me. When you come back, it's great. He restores you. You go back to that verse where he says he'll restore the, the dry waste. And a lot of times that dry waste is our heart. And, and I, I thought about that. I said, you know, Lord, there's been times when I got away from you. And I'll tell you another secret. You can get away from him. And be here. Yeah, there you go. And be here, but not be you. When I was a kid, I, 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 I'm ADHD. I, I, I daydreamed a lot. <laughs> and I, 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 I could be sitting in the pew. And <laughs> I had a good friend. And me and him, was, we, we was going to church. I'll never forget one Sunday his mama said, what was the sermon about? Both of us sat there beside her. We were quiet. We paid attention, sort of. <laughs> but afterwards, we're like, uh, he was a little bit better than me. He had his Bible. He had burnt, He had opened it up to the right page. So he said, "Yeah, it was about God." Well, not really. So she said, "Y'all, y'all, yeah, you have a problem." We're like, oh, "Okay, yeah, we know." And, and you, you were daydreaming. She said, you weren't there today. A lot of times that happens to us. So when we honor, we're not honoring God. And he's given us a thing. He said, sometimes you'll do that. But if you turn around and honor him, he said, I'll restore to you these wonderful things. Now, someone read, we, we were, I heard a discussion on these verses. And the, the thing said this, you know, as being under grace, are we required to keep the Sabbath? 
Are we required to keep? Now, the Jews were required by the law to keep the Sabbath. So are we required to keep the Sabbath? Not by law. You know, uh, but the New Testament makes it, you know, it, it, it tells us we're, we're not under obligation to, but listen, in Colossians chapter 2, verse 16, 7, it says, Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of a holy day or the new moon or the Sabbath, which are the shadows of things to come, but the body is of Christ. So it's not like we're required to, but we should have that desire to because we are the body of Christ. You know, the, the Sabbath commandment here in the Zerf, the, the, he says it, it's a shadow of things to come. And, and so if you think of it as a shadow of things to come, the Bible promises that one day we'll have rest in, in Jesus. So that should be that we should, when we have the chance to rest in him, to worship him, to, to enjoy, it's a shadow of the things that we have to come in our life, in our future life or our the next part of our life. I guess that's even a better way to put it. So it's a promise. Now, Paul said in Galatians chapter 4, verses 9 through 11, he said this. He says, but now, after you have known God, or rather have known of God, how turn ye again to the weak and beggarly elements, wherein you desire again to be in bondage. You observe the days, the months, the times, and the years. I'm afraid for you, lest I have bestowed upon you labor in vain. Paul was worried about the church in Galatia because they kept wanting to go back to the law. And he kept saying the law is, it was not what we were here for. And so he says, I'm worried that you're going to take that and start making it a law. Now, God instills upon us a desire to worship him. And we observe not Saturday as the Sabbath, but Sunday is our Sabbath so that we can, because it was the day Christ rose, but we do it to honor him. We do it to worship him. We're not bound by the law to do it. Because think about this. If there was a law that on Sunday you had to go to church, how many people would actually get anything out of it? Yeah, not much. Because you would be forced to be there. And, and see, under the law, the law was there to make them more righteous, make them, set them apart from other people. But somewhere along the lines, they lost the spirit of the law, and the law became exactly that, just the law. And, and so they, they, they lost the desire to do what God wanted them to do. They were doing what man wanted them to do. And so, do we, are we required to keep the Sabbath? As Paul said, no, but we should have that desire to. As he said, you know, in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 11, it says, Let us labor, therefore, and to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. So he's basically telling us we should do it so that we don't become unbelief. Why do we come to church? It's to keep us strong in the faith. So that we don't fall into unbelief. You know, how many of you have ever heard people say, uh, I don't need church? And it's easy to say, you know, and you, now, now Hebrews tells us that we're not to forsake the, 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 the assembling of the saints, as some do, you know, because it was a time for us to come together, to strengthen each other, to lift each other up. We come so that church becomes something important. The Sabbath still, yes, it's holy. God has set it aside, and it's set aside for us to grow so that in the latter days we have the strength to make it. For people who say, I don't need church, well, let me tell you what it amounts to. Satan's already convinced you of a lie that you don't really need anything. And if we did not need to hear God's word, we did not need to worship, why did Christ have to come to the cross? It, it's a reminder, you know, the Bible constantly tells us, you know, iron sharp as iron, we, that, uh, that we don't forsake the sin of yourselves together. There's so many different verses that remind us that we should do it. Uh, Jesus went to church. When people say, oh, we don't need church, well, Jesus did, he went. I mean, you think about it. The Old Testament, those were his words. 
It's not like he memorized them. He knew them. He said them. But he still went. So it's a reminder that, yes, the Sabbath is important. But what he was doing, he was was in chapter 58, he was exposing hollow worship. And then he ends it by telling them how important worship is. Now, he goes into chapter 59 with a totally different outlook. Let me find my first page here. And uh, I entitled it a, a reality check. Because he's told them how shallow their worship was. He told them you definitely need it. And now he's going to get into why. Because look at verse 1. He says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save, neither is his ear heavy, <coughs> that it cannot hear. So the, the, the problem of God's people, it, it, it says, is telling us here, and he's also telling us what the cause is not. He says, behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save. God's people were kind of looking at everything, wondering why he didn't rescue them from the trials and tribulations they were under. They went to church, they, they were shallow in their worship, so they didn't understand why God wasn't saving them. They didn't get it. And so here God's telling them, he said, hey, uh, my, my hand's not shortened. It's not that I don't do things. They, they actually, it, it showed in, in a lot of history that they, they believe that, that God's strength had maybe diminished over time. Now we look at that and we laugh, right? But if you listen, uh, we were on our way to church tonight. We were listening uh, to Janet Parshall on the radio, and they were talking about the progressive church in America. And, and the progressive church takes this, and they'll be the ones who'll come up to you and say, well, you know, this isn't really God's word. And, and here's why they'll say, oh, because I, 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 as I, we heard this one part on it, and I've heard this many times, and, and it says that, you know, uh, we don't have the original manuscripts, and, and uh, th- there was this 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 doctor, and he was talking. She played a clip from him. And he was talking. We don't have the manu- the original manuscripts. What we have is a book that was written hundreds of years after by scribes, and these scribes made mistakes. And, and what would he what he said that that perhaps they were sleepy and they fell asleep when they were writing this down, so they made mistakes. And, and the lady was talking. She said there are there is things that are in there, and they proved things like there were times when they'd say one translation would say Christ Jesus, and then another would say Jesus Christ. Ooh, big mistake. So, copyright man, but the spirit of the word stayed the same. But the progressive church will tell you that this Bible, the, the translation is of man, it's not God's inerrant word. And let it speak. She said, What if someone was to come to you and ask this question, why do you think the Bible's true? How would you answer? And she said there was a lady that basically said this. She was a, a big speaker. She was uh, standing up. She was giving this speech and talking about the Word of God. And this man asked her, says, well, then how do you know that's God, that the Word of God is true? And she couldn't answer it. And so this lady said that kind of shook her as she seen this. And she said, so I wanted to know. So she began a study of, the first way to do it was to use God's word. And so she looked at when Jesus spoke, how did he speak about the word? He never said things like, he quoted Isaiah quite a bit. He never did say, Isaiah said, it was always God said. So as to realize that, so when someone says, how do you know God's word is true? You said, because it is true. It is God's word. It's by faith. It's by faith. 
We believe it by faith. We believe it by what the word does. God said that his word does not go out void. And it's so true. Solving problems and, and and other situations that come up in daily life. Another one says, "You know how God's word is true? Me, <laughs> what He has done in my life." Right. And uh, they say, "Well, you know, God, we should, he, but really, in reality, from the fragments we have of, of, of old books, the there's hardly any difference or change." God's word. Some of these folks were making difference. They had the original manuscripts. Exactly. And the progressive church—that's what they teach now. That this is not really. This is just man's interpretation. You know why you may do that? So they can get away with whatever they want to. If you say this is man's interpretation, then you say, well, when he said, let's say if he had in here, don't eat from McDonald's. Right here. And uh, you say, well, that's open to interpretation. <coughs> Don't eat McDonald's from 10 to 6. After that, it's okay. So that, that's that's what the, the scribes and the Pharisees did. That's what you get back exactly what they were doing. Exactly. They were taking the Torah and the, and the, the, the laws at the front, and then they were adding to them. So that they could do what they wanted to and, and control the people. Because if you ever notice, it always comes back to controlling other people. And have that ability to control other people. So as he's getting here, he says, my strength's not diminished. You know, he, he, he's touching on here. He said, uh, here's one thing that a lot of people, they, they talk about. How can there be a God of love and all power when there's human suffering. And, and so, you know, you know, if we love someone and have the power to end their suffering, would you end their suffering? Well, yeah, we probably would. If it was in our power, if, if you had a pain in your heart and I could take it away, I would do everything I could too. Now, so people look and say, well, if there is, if God's real and if Jesus really did all this, why is there still bad things in the world? Why do we have to suffer? Well, look at the promises Jesus made. Did Jesus make a promise when you got saved, everything was going to be great? No, if you look, he actually tells us we're going to suffer. We're going to be persecuted for his name's sake. And, and so, and, and people say, well, why? And, and that's like the number one people say, I do not believe that a loving God would send anyone to hell. He doesn't. It, yes, our choices. And so when people look at that, they'll say, well, because if you think about it, when, when people will say that, basically they're saying, Jesus Christ did not need to die on the cross because basically, oh, if he did, it was because he saved, he's saving everybody. So if that's true, then why even worship God? Yeah, it all choice. God, God could have created all of us to be robotic and to just love him, worship him, and, and everything. But he gives us that choice because he wants people to choose him over everything else. And so when we read this verse, as they, as they, they say this, they said, behold, the Lord's hand, he said, my hand's not short that it can't save. My ear is not heavy that I can't hear. You know, it's not that God lacks the power or he's not listening. He, he can hear us just fine. You know, uh, and, and so let me share this with you. There was a rabbi. His name was Harold Kushner. He wrote a, a, a very wide-selling, best-seller book, and it said, the title of it, When Bad Things Happen to God's People. Now, that almost sounds like okay, that might be worth reading. It sold a uh, half million copies before it ever went paperback, and then it kept selling more than that. It was on the New York Times bestseller. But his book said this. He advises readers to learn to love God and forgive him 
despite his limitations. That was a number one bestseller. And, and so, you know, so yeah, God's hand's not short, can't save. It's not that he ain't listening. Now, in verse two, God's going to tell him, okay, my power's not diminished. I still hear, he said, here's the problem. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. So here's the problem. It's us. You know, your sins have done it. Problem ain't God's power. It's not his knowledge. It's not his interest. It's our iniquities. That's what's come. So, you know, in what ways do sin separate us from God? Think of that. In what ways do sin separate? You know, sin doesn't necessarily separate us from the presence of God. It's because God's presence is everywhere. You know, Psalms uh, 139.7, this David wrote this. He said, where shall I go from thy spirit? Whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou, thou are there. If I made my bed in hell, behold, thou are there. If I take wing in the morning and dwell in the other most parts of the sea, you're there. So he said, I can't get away from you know where I go. And think about that. When you're sinning, how many of you have ever felt bad because you're doing it? Because the Holy Spirit is telling you, this ain't right. Now think about it. When you got saved, the Holy Spirit came and dwelt in you. And he, it's not like he goes, 9 o'clock, time to shut off. They're on their own till tomorrow. No, it's a permanent dwelling. So you can't get away from the presence of God. <coughs> that sin turns us away from him. You know, think about this. You know, we can't get away from Satan still has the ability to have a Come into God's presence. We know that from the book of Job. When it tells us in Job chapter 1, you know, there was a day when the sons of man came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came along with them. So that, that sin is what separates us. It's not God separating from us, it's us separating from Him. It's Adam and Eve going, I'm hiding in the trees. He made them. You know, uh, nothing separate, because you know, think about this, in Romans 5, 8, but God commended his love towards us while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So sin does, but sin, sin separates us from the fellowship of God because at the least point of our sin, we no longer think like God. What are you focusing on when you're sinning? Yourself. You know the the you know the 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 main the original sin basically was Satan's sin of pride, and every sin we do comes back to that because sin is more times about us than it is anything else. When you're mad and you do something to somebody, why are you doing it? Because you're mad. You know. You, you, we had the problem, you know. Sin separates us from the blessing of God because at least at the point of our sin, we're not trusting in him or relying on him. When we sin, we're no longer trusting in God. We're no longer seeking him and relying on him to direct us because the sin is more important than anything else. And so... Think about how many of you have ever bought stuff to make a that had to go in a recipe. Okay, but there was one thing in that that group of ingredients that you love more than anything else. And let's say you're gonna let's say you're gonna bake a cake and you're going to go all the way from scratch and you're gonna have chocolate in that cake. And you say, well, this weekend I'm gonna make the cake. Well, on Monday, you go by and you say, if I eat just one piece of this chocolate, I'll still have enough. But come time Saturday gets there, you open up the chocolate, 
and it's just a wrapper. And you go, oh, I can't make the cake because I don't have everything I need. It's the same way when sin, we, 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 we separate, we take that one thing and it keeps us from having that relationship with God. You know, it separate, don't separate us from the love of God because God loves sinners, but it separates us from loving God. And I like one, one guy here, he put on there, uh, he said, sin separates us from the protection of God because sometimes that's the only way he can get our attention through trials and tribulations. I mean, how many of y'all have ever had that happen? You've gotten away from God, God's going, I tried everything, so I'm sorry. This is fixing to happen to you. It's almost like he says, and he goes, maybe you'll turn around and come back to you. Maybe you'll realize what sin's like in your life. That's like when you catch a little kid doing something, why are they upset? Because they got caught, not because they did it. But usually that's when they'll, Right after that, boy, they'll be the most loving little things in the world. And so we treat God the same way. Sin separates us. Now, and think about this. It's easy to blame our sins on, and our problems on everything except us. You know, how many of you have ever blamed God when you've gotten angry? Oh, I have. Praise the Lord, he is such a loving God that when I blamed him, he still loved me. And then when I finally realized what I was doing, he still loved me. You know, it, it, look at the last part. He, your sins have hid his face from you. Now, in Numbers chapter 6, verse 25, it said this. It said, the Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious upon unto thee. He was talking to the children of Israel that he would basically he would look down on them and his face would shine down on them and everything they would have a relationship. But if you listen, they, when, so when you're hiding that that love that shine that that closeness is gone. You be, like I said, you become Adam and Eve hiding in the woods, trying to hide. You know this helps us understand. Oh, in a way, if you think about when Jesus is on the cross, and he said, my God, my God, why have thou forsaken me? Why did God forsake him? Our sin. So imagine that closeness, Jesus. I mean, you know, they're one and the same, but the father turned his back on him. The separation was there because of the sin and so that's what Jesus felt. God understood and understands that. Now, look at verse, verse 3 through 8. He gives a detailed description of their sins. First, he's saying, you've got this iniquity. Now, he says this. He says, for your hands are defiled with blood, and your fingers with iniquity. Your lips have spoken lies. Your tongue has muttered perverseness. None calleth for justice, nor any pleasure for truth. They trust in vanity. They speak lies. They conceive mischief. They bring forth iniquity. They hatch cockroach eggs and weave spiders' webs. He that eateth of their eggs dieth, and that which is crushed breaketh out into a viper. Their webs shall not be garments, neither shall they cover themselves with their works. Their works are works of iniquity, and the acts of violence are in their hands. Their feet run to evil. They make haste to shed innocent blood. Their thoughts are of iniquity, and wasting and destruction are their paths. The way of peace they know not. There is no judgment in their goings. They have made them crooked paths, and whosoever groweth therein shall not know peace. So if you listen to this, this long list of sins, that's quite a lot, isn't it? And, and so I, I got to look at it, I said, you know, that first one, you, your hands are defiled with blood. They practiced 
and approved of violence and murder. Now, these are the same people who were going to the, the, the temple and offering sacrifices, and he said, you're, you're defiling people. You're killing people. And so I said, well, you know, here in America, we have all these laws about hurting and murdering people. It's against the law. So, based on data from 2018 and in 2019, there were 889,000 abortions in the United States. So, if we were to look at these sins, and we're going to look at a lot of them, that's us. As a country and whole. You know, according to the Guttmayer Institute, I, I've got a whole listing, uh, and he, he listed from 1996 up to 2017 the number of abortions. Now, they've actually gone down since 1996. In 1996, there were 1,360,000 in a year. Now, it's gone down, and people say, why is it gone down? So are we no longer aborting? No, but yes, because since 1996, the morning after pill came into being. So we cannot count the number of children who are murdered. In 2017, it said that 18% of the pregnancies in the United States excluding spontaneous miscarriages ended in an abortion because they don't, you know, spontaneous miscarriage, they have to go in and do the same thing they do in an abortion. But they said not including them, 18% all ended in abortions. Now, as our birth rate has gone down, the abortion rate goes up. So we, we see that. Now, here's one that a lot of people in a lot of churches will overlook. How many of y'all know, know what inverto, inverto fertilization is? In vitro fertilization, there we go. In vitro fertilization. That's where a couple who can't have a baby go and they basically... Yeah. Well, no, this is where they take the eggs from the mother and the, the, the sperm from the father and they take them and they make children. All right. It, it requires the, the removing of the eggs and one or more, usually one or more, not many, are placed back into the mother and she has the child. Okay. The question becomes, though, and this is why it's not talked about as much as abortion is, what happens to the other? Because they don't just do one or two. They do five or more. Now these could be frozen. In case they want to have another child later. But statistics show that rarely happens. Majority of these embryos are discarded used for scientific purposes and other things now my bible tells me that god knew jeremiah at the point of conception so when the egg was fertilized boom there you are there's life so so we have these secret murders going on all the time our hands are so covered in blood it's not even funny we make Israel look like angels compared to us today. Now, 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 get this. Now, he said the next one. He said, they've spoken, your lips have spoken lies. You ever get a chance to just Google how many times, how, lies. People, I wanted to find out politicians how many times they lie, but I could never find a number on that. Listen to this. It, it, we're lied to according to what studies have shown. 
we're lied to an average of 10 to 200 times a day. I got to think, yeah, if you're watching the news, it's probably more than that. Then it said this, the average person lies one to two times in a day's period. The average person. So if we're hearing up 200 lies a day, boy, we got a lot of liars around us, don't we? Now the next one, no one calls for justice. They, they didn't share God's heart for what was fair and right. But all of them seemed to think that they were good on their own terms. So, you know, so both justice and truth were kind of distant concepts. And I got to thinking about that. I said, you know, here in America, that, that's, that's prevalent a lot. Especially today. We, we, we talk about, you know, the news loves to talk about tolerance. But what is the tolerance? I'll tolerate you as long as you agree with what I say. So we're not calling for justice. We, as long, well, justice is only good as long as it, 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 it comes to this. Now, uh, that talk about empty words. Border said this. He says, Isaiah is not describing but diagnosing. They may think they're acting sensible, but actually it's all nonsense. So then he, he, he's, he's told them this. He said, you know, you, you know, they speak lies. They conceive mischief. They bring forth iniquity. In the past years, you know, it used to be you would see on television in Europe people rioting and destroying their cities. And we think, well, it'll never happen here. That was until this past two years, right? I mean, hey, somebody is shot by a cop. I'm going to Walmart. Get me a flat screen TV. I mean, that's the dumbest thing. I'm going I'm to destroy somebody's livelihood just because I'm protesting. That's not protesting. That's looting. So that's the mischief part. They're bringing forth iniquity. Then he kind of goes into a, a, a thing. He says, you know, they hatch cockroaches. And, and so, you know, in, in ancient times, they're probably talking here, the, the idea is uh, a, a poison serpent because the, the Greek word there was bascus and ceteris. So it's basically saying it's an expression designed to show the evil nature of their work. It's not that, oh, they're, they're, they're hatching these horrible animals. No, this is just showing how bad the sin was. Because, you know, here, if you're going to hatch eggs, you wouldn't want to hatch, oh, hey, here, buy my eggs, go home, I'm going to make an omelet, out pops a poisonous snake. No, that's not what they're doing. They just, that's how bad it would be. And so he gives them just pictures of it. You know, he, he says, you got this, you got these. The, I like how he goes into it. He says, so you're doing that. He says, they, they weave spiders' webs. They eat it and their egg, people who get in, who believe them, they die. And so then he talks about how the, the webs not become garments. Because you think, where does silk come from? Yeah, basically it's spider web kind of stuff. So he says that they're not making garments out of it. So this is just how bad it is. Their feet run to evil. You know, they, they, they want to, not only are they doing this, this horrible work, they're, 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 they're running to it. They bring forth this iniquity and, and they, they go after it. And I said, boy, that's America right there. People just love to do that. I, I mean, you know, it was funny, if you watched any of the news and you see these trials that are going on, they call in the National Guard the day before the, the verdict's done or before, the, before the, 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 they even get done with the trial because they know people are going to loot and do these things, so they're trying to prepare for it. So, you know, they're, they're running to this stuff. And he says, this is how bad it gets. Now, as we get to that last one, and it, it, look at ver towards the end of verse 8. They have made crooked paths, and whosoever therein shall not know peace. So they made these, th there's no peace in what they're doing. Now, Paul quotes 
verses 7 and 8 in Romans, in Romans thir- uh, 3, verses 15 through 17, here's what he says. He says, their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are their ways, and the way of peace they have not known. So he he's connecting the Old Testament to sinners today. So when people say, well, the Old Testament, you know, is irrelevant, it's old. No, Paul's saying it's the same thing. Here Israel's doing it, and so sinners are doing the same thing. But, you know, and you think about this, in light of all this, it's kind of amazing that God's people could still believe that the problem was with God and not them. This is how they acted and God's telling them this, but, oh, it's, it's God's fault. Now, verses 9 through 11, we see the effects of the people, uh, the effects of sin the people see. Listen to this. It says, therefore is judgment far from us, neither does the justice overtake us. We wait for light, but behold obscurity for brightness, but we walk in darkness we grope for the walls like the blind. and We grope as if we had no eyes. We stumble at noonday as in the light night. We are in desolate places as dead men. We roar like bears and mourn sore like doves. We look for judgment, but there is none. For salvation, but it is far from us. So here the people are saying, God's not helping us. We don't understand why we're going through all these horrible things. And he just told them why. But they still didn't get it. You know, you know, justice is far from us, you know, or, or, and righteous don't overtake us because they didn't have any interest in, in justice from God. It's like today, people don't want to look at God. Well, God wouldn't send send me to hell. I'm a good person. In whose eyes? Yours. It's not God's. You know, they, they can't get. They look at the Ten Commandments. They can't get past the first one. You know, it's amazing. They always skip that one. I'm not a murderer. What did you vote for? But what about killing like ants and insects? That don't matter. That don't count quite the same. That's like, you could go in, people, because people said this before. I'll go ahead and use what you asked. And they've said, how can. God forgive people in the time of war. Well, God sent his, pe- his children into war and there's a different disposition because he used his armies for righteousness. Okay, and an ant doesn't have a soul. Because if it does, we shouldn't eat anything. Yeah. The vegans almost have it right. <laughs> Not quite, but almost. So, God looks at it this way. He gave us these things. Just think of this. He told Peter, kill and eat. Mm-hmm. You know, people eat ants. I'm not going to. But people do. Even if they dip them in chocolate. I'd suck the chocolate off of it, spit the ant out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, look, look at how he goes into it. So he, he says this, you know, God... God didn't bless them because he didn't care about righteousness. He, he, he blessed them with it, but he, he did it because they were more sinful than anything. Now, look at how he goes. He says, we, we wait for the light, but behold obscurity. For brightness, we walk in darkness. And, and he's telling them this. This is basically, as they're saying this, okay, what's guiding you is you. Now, the, the psalmist tells us, you know, that God is a, the, his word is a, a lamp unto our path. But they weren't following that. They're not following his word. When we're sinning, we're not following his word. So, yeah, we're, 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 we're walking through the darkness. Now, I, I like how he goes, you know, we stumble as noonday as at night. And so here's the idea. You're just utterly confused. Now, we grope for the wall like the blind. How many of you have ever gone through the house at night? Isn't it amazing? You can walk through the house in the daytime with your hands over your eyes and not run into nothing. But at night, 
You're going to find that coffee table or that chair that's going to rip your little toe off. You're going to stumble like a blind person. You know, try, how many of you ever gone through the house at night? You know, and, and I walk this way all this time. And instead of walking this way, you're way over here and you run into the wall. <laughs> so, so here's the that's the picture you can't see because you're in darkness you're in blindness uh, of that so he, he's telling that he said you know we're uh, look he goes a little further i gotta i gotta kick this in the gear so i can get through with the verse 11 for we roar like bears and we mourn sore like doves so as, as they that i have a lot of Bears are, you know, this is kind of a picture of the the, the judgment. Uh, the 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 word roar here is used many different times. Different words translated the same, and it's always an animal that's having problems. Kind of like the the dog here, uh, the the. The, the bear here, a dog snarling, different things. So it, it, it's a picture of, so you roar like a bear. Bears can make a lot of noise, but they can't communicate. Okay? So here's what I said. You're roaring like bears. You're crying out, God, 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 help me, God. Oh, this is horrible. But really you're being, you're not making any sense. Because the problem is not God, the problem is you. You're not speaking right. You're cooing like a, a dove. You're just making a noise. He said, the, you, the problem is, is you don't know peace. You know, you, you run this way, you, you don't know peace. And, and, and since you don't know peace, he says, we, you, you look for judgment, but there is none for salvation, but it's far off. The judgment you want is judgment that suits you, not what God wants. You refuse to admit God's truth. You look for salvation, but the salvation you seek is not God's salvation. You want a way out of your troubles. I rested a lot of people 